as for us, 2020 is officially here. And uh, we still not have, we don't have flying cars yet. <laughs> That's such hope. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, 2015 was going to be the year for that, according to Back uh, to the Future. But. <laughs> so 2020. So obviously there's a lot of prophesying every year about what the year is going to be about and so forth. But for us, uh, just in our walk, um, we're continuing with a culture and ethos and a uh, conviction that our walk should be orderly. Uh, discipleship should be orderly. Um, just like anything else that you are going to do or build in life that's going to be lasting, it has to be orderly. And so, again, we have certain uh, structures in place to make sure that it's orderly. And one of those pieces of scripture is Second Peter, where Peter very kindly gave us an orderly process, very clearly stipulated for discipleship. Um, and we are going to look at that. Last year already we realized that we've gone through some of the steps and that this year, 2020, will be... Last year was a year of discipline. Or self-control, as the Bible Self-control, as the Bible calls it. So we had a lot of focus on discipline and self-control. Uh, we uh, invested a lot of our time looking at what does the mind do, why does it do it. Can we afford to let our thoughts just do what it wants? Uh, we should be free from fear, anxiety, and worry. And this is a process that we embrace all the time. Um, because people that are fearful are not going to be trustworthy. Uh, they will themselves not be consistent. Uh, people that worry will respond to the worry, and it's the opposite of faith. So we consider, uh, we consider unchecked and unrepentant fear, worry, and unbelief as sin. We consider it as sin. Because the Bible says, do not worry about the day of tomorrow. And that we've been set free from the spirit of fear. So, biblically, we consider that. We don't expect anybody to get over it in a day. We do say there's a process of ministry by the Holy Spirit, process of uh, coming to understand and trust the Word that will set us free from fear, worry, and unbelief. Okay, so, now this here is the year of perseverance. And we were just over the time preparing and prayer and taking time where we could do to find out from the Lord how do we understand this. And one thing that came up is um, Nadia said, said she thinks the word perseverance conjures up feelings of trepidation. Does oh, it? Oh, no. <laughs> we hear, oh, this is a year of perseverance. Who's excited? Everybody's going, like, I want to persevere. Oh, everyone wants to persevere, but <laughs> persevering... <laughs> Makes me feel tired. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a normal human response. You're going to have to persevere. I'm tired already. Okay, here we go. I'll persevere. (laughs) I don't want to, but I'll do it. (laughs) I'm going to do it. (laughs) Okay, so. If you persevered for three days... In something, then skip three days. Rested. Then persevered another day. <laughs> then 
skip two days. Okay, how, how, do, how do we know? Are you persevering or not? Come on, who's going to be on? Maybe. I did persevere. A bit. It just depends on when you talk to me. Like, talk to me at the right moment, I'm persevering. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem with the persevering sounds simple when you say the word at first. And then you start looking at it and you go like, well, it's going to be something we, we should unpack this, understand it. Persevering. Okay, now who understands, who understands what the word means? By now, I'm sure your brain has gone to the file and go like, I understand what it means, right? What does perseverance mean? I mean, I haven't gone and looked up the definition. You haven't? No, I didn't. So you assumed you know? Well, you told me. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if you were right. Okay. Let's, get a, let's just test quickly. Pick someone. What does perseverance mean? I would say continuing in, so yeah, I don't know if that's vague, but continuing a state of continuing in. Eto. Eto. Fast bike. Now, you were on an island for the last bit of the trip, so you're lying on the beach, right? There's a cool breeze, palm trees. Okay, are those the moments that you concentrate on persevering? <laughs> okay, so I think we're getting some context to the word persevering, right? Now let's have a look firstly at what the scripture says about this, and we're going to look to the scripture to give us some understanding regarding perseverance. So now we said this is the year of perseverance. Let's make it very clear. What we mean by it is that we are going to, from the Holy Spirit, receive a focus on establishing in our persons, in our lives, in our walk, perseverance as a substance, as an element of life, part of our character, as His character. It doesn't mean that when the year ends, we tick the box, and then we move on to something else. We stop persevering. So, do we understand that? Welcome the to the rest of your lives. <laughs> See, when you were born, perseverance started. No one told you. When you were baptized and reborn into Messiah, at least then there was a consciousness of, look, this is going to take persevering. Because once we walk in faith, there's persevering. Okay? So, perseverance. Perseverance, I think, for you, most humans are connected with sports most of the time, or business, making money or persevering in the business world or in entrepreneurship. But mostly sports. Okay, so we get some pictures. We have some pictures of persevering. Okay. Um, so we continue until we have success, until we attain that which we have decided upon. Okay. Let me quickly ask you, is it possible to persevere without vision? Think about it. No. Here I go, persevering. I hope I know when I get there. We've used this picture before. If <coughs> I've never 
uh, seen the route for the Comrades mar Marathon, and I've never been there, never saw it on TV. But I decided, look, I'm just going to give it a, sh a go. And I've got no idea where the finish, finish line is. I just I get to the starting point, find it on Google Maps, I pitch up. I've got no idea how long the race is. I just know it's it's long, and someone <laughs> told me it's hard. And you're gonna run. And I'm gonna I'm supposed to run. Okay. So what I do is, I'm gonna give it my best shot. Okay. If I don't know where the end marker is, how long it is, and when to stop, then I'm gonna start running, and then I'll get tired. How do I know if I have done enough? If I've pushed myself far enough? If I don't know where to stop? I don't know where the goal is. The chances are I'll prob I'm probably going to give up after about, what, two and a half kilometers or ten. I don't know. It depends. I think he's going to give up much later than me. My mark is more or less two kilometers. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what's the furthest you've run? A Eighty-nine kilometers. It helps. It helps that you know where the finish line is, right? Cool. Okay. Did you, on the way there, wish the finish line was closer? <laughs> Often. Often. <laughs> um, and there's something going through your head that says, "I, I have to stop. I can't." Or not? Because you set your sights on the mark and that's it. You're not going to stop before you get there. And you know the end is going to be here. <clears throat> Would it be, be wise to go like, I've reached the end mark, let's just do 20 more kilometers just for the sake of making sure I did finish. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't persevered enough, I'm going to... Never came up. Never, never thought... <laughs> thought never crossed your mind. Just the finish line, just... <clears throat> That's the great thing about um, goals, uh, clarity about where, we, where we're going to go, where we're supposed to be going. In training for the comrades, you did shorter distances, I'm assuming. Okay. So you did it like most other people. Okay. And again, you set sh goals and then different goals. Okay, now this is where we want to start off this year again. Understanding that without order in our spiritual walk, we might go in circles and we might think we're doing great, but because we didn't set goals and we don't know where the goal for now, for this season and for the next season is, and ultimately is, we're running, but we're not realizing that we're actually jogging when we should be running full out or Resting. sitting when we're supposed to be walking. Um, or our focus can be on completely the wrong thing. So goal setting is extremely important for our spiritual walk. And so we're going to combine perseverance with vision, and we're going to put an end goal in place, and then through the year we're going to have shorter goals so that we can pace ourselves long-term, because we've got to do this till we Don't. clock out one day, or till he comes back which is also clocking out. So, um, so literally, we're going to... Faith, the faith walk, is for the rest of our lives. Luckily, and I'm so grateful for it, is that the promises are so great. Um, that which could be experienced in the kingdom of God while still in the flesh is so deep and so vast and so 
far beyond our fleshly um, experiences that it can keep us busy till the last day. And um, so his promise is that his joy will be full in us. Just that one goal. To this, be discipled to a place where we have his joy fulfilled in us. Does that sound worth doing? Why? Not because I want to be joyful, because I want to appear in front of him one day and say, Lord, I experienced your word to be true. And I worship you for the fact that it was. Because you're true. That's my goal, ultimately. Um, same with grace and righteousness and faith and all those other things. Hope. Okay, so. Show us the result of not doing those and then we'll go back. Okay. Take it. This. Here I go. Second go. Peter. <laughs> chapter 1. Um, usually, I have to read the whole chapter because you know me. I'm not going to do that today. Um, in the past, end of 2018, we did an extensive study of verses 5 to 7, basically the whole chapter 1, but with a very specific focus on the process, or we called it the equation, uh, that the Apostle Peter puts in place to grow steadfastly, orderly, and in a disciplined manner, adding certain things to certain other things um, for a very specific outcome. But today, we're going to focus more on verses 8 to 11. So, let's read through it, and then we can look at it. Okay. <clears throat> for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yahushua HaMashiach. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. <coughs> okay. So now we're just going to do a simple study of these four verses and then see how it ties in. Can I, can I ask a favor? Can we focus on that last bit? It's the good news. Can we focus there first and then go to the... I want to know. You want to know? I want to know. You don't know? No. <laughs> okay, let's help him. <laughs> Thank you. For the sake of us all. <laughs> okay. Um... So verse 11, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Obviously, eventually, at the end of all time, we know this is a given for those who belong to him. The whole point of coming into eternal life and salvation is that eventually, when all things are said and done and have been reconciled into him, that we will have entrance into the kingdom. I don't know about you, but that's kind of my expectation. So if that's a given, then obviously um, salvation being a free gift to that coming from the Lord's side, this process and the context that the Apostle Peter is putting this piece of scripture in and this specific verse must be for now, while we are still on the earth, 
because it is something that we can actively aspire to, grow towards, mature towards, um, because there would be no point to try, we not saved by works, we're saved by grace. So this is for now. So if we just read it again, it means that now an entrance could be supplied to us abundantly, I love that word, abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach, which is an amazing promise. But obviously this is given at the end of the rest of chapter 1, um, which also follows the process or um, equation that he put in place. So now we're going to work our way back. Is that sufficient? Yes, let's quickly. Should I first do a teaching on the everlasting kingdom so we can all get real motivated? <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to put that in context so everybody sees what we're talking about. So we're looking at this. This is, this is something to keep in mind whenever reading about these kind of scriptures. So it says, He will supply to us an entrance abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. I love that. Most abundantly. People, Please just note, abundantly. Most people are going to read this and go like salvation. He's talking about salvation. But now, it shows you how confused people are. Because most people believe they were saved. There was a moment when they saved and they gained entrance into the kingdom. And by that time, they got saved. They haven't done any of this stuff. None of it. Okay? So now, he's giving us this whole recipe... All, all the instructions, all the keys, and then he says, if these things are yours, and abound, then an entrance will be supplied to you. So we're looking at this. Okay, so always keep the dividing line in place. Because we baptized into him, so this is the spiritual realm, and this is the worldly realm, earth, right? So we baptized, we're born here, we, we, and when he brings us to the baptism, which is dying into him and being resurrected into him, we resurrected across the dividing line into Messiah, because it says we baptized into Messiah. Then, <clears throat> by giving us his Holy Spirit, he puts his life into the same body that's coming out of the water. And then he leaves us on this side. So this is our realm, and that's the kingdom of heaven realm. Now we are in Him. We don't come back. We don't leave there and come back. We're still in Him there. But now, through His Spirit in us, He expects us to now live out the reality of being in Him there, live that out here. Right. So now this is the first entrance. There's the door. We've come through the door that is Messiah. Now, at the, when we die physically, there's another door. Because now we officially... Finally, enter the kingdom of heaven. No more Completely on earth. And totally. In totality. No more on earth, but we're going to live, live, live. And then there's another entrance provided that's called dying and going to heaven. <laughs> so now, there's the... He says he's the way, he's the door. We come through him into eternal life here. Then we live, and there's the door. But now he's talking about he will supply an entrance abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. And that is for while we are in this world, in the flesh, we, He supplies an entrance into the things of the kingdom that is true there, but on earth. That's why this is such a dramatic and wonderful promise. And that's why we're going to take it so seriously. Peter is going like, I'm going to give you uh, clues, I'm going to give you keys, if you... If this becomes part of you, if this belongs to you, and if it abounds, 
then there's the promise, while living in this world, as a fleshly person, born in the Spirit, you can start to have entrance abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. Now, who doesn't want that? What does that mean? It means the wisdom, the experience of everlasting life, the knowing of the goodness of God, more than anything else, it means more and more revelation of Him, His person. Closeness. Closeness. Know, knowing Him and then knowing Him more and then knowing Him even more and better. And um, all of those things. Uh, we're not even talking about the blessing for our lives that flows from that. That's a side effect. Um, okay, so... Everybody excited about it? Okay. Now, pause. Think for a moment what it feels and looks like when we live life on earth without the abundant entrance into the things of the kingdom. We're but talking you about know there is a kingdom. We know there's a kingdom. We believe it and we have tasted some of it. But life <laughs> on earth. The word that comes to mind is perseverance. Normal... <laughs> Human day-to-day life. That's the opposite of abundant entrance into the kingdom of earth. Okay. The obstacles and the people that will steal your time and frustrate you and all the stupid mistakes that you yourself make and then we don't pay attention and we miss things. And... uh, and then while we're thinking about what we missed, we miss some more things. And generally, the <laughs> lack of abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven, that we call normal life. <clears throat> oh no. Does, is, is the picture making sense? Yes. Okay, so now I want the abundant entrance even more. Not that I'm not enjoying life. I, I just don't enjoy many of the moments in life. Okay, so... <laughs> That you are not abundantly in the kingdom. (laughs) Now, he's going to also help us understand, because he's going to tell us what the symptoms look like when we have not implementing the keys, we haven't been implementing the keys, we have not been maintaining these spiritual characteristics that we're going to look at now. He tells us what happens. We can identify certain um, symptoms. What are those? Can you point them out? Mm-hmm. Okay, before I just point out the symptoms. Um, so if we just start again at verse 8. <clears throat> For if these things, now obviously that these things referring to the, from verse 5. Elijah. Elijah. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That moment would have been great if his name was Samuel. (laughs) 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 I bought you nine. Oh, you got your vitamin pills. Okay. All right, let's continue. (laughs) Okay. Start again. Yes. Okay. Listen carefully. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to have to start again and again and again. persevering through this teaching. Okay. Verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, pause, 
So, like we said, oftentimes, for believers, once we are saved, let's just call it saved for now, so baptized, reborn, into Messiah, um, many believers read the word, we see all these promises, we see eternal truths, uh, we see many different blessings and things, and things is a bad word to use here, but things in general. And... um, they can be either for our own personal lives, our own personal growth, or for the church, the body, the world, humanity, all these different promises and things. Um, but oftentimes, we do have a bit of a blind spot in assuming that just because the promises are there, just because the truths are there, that they are ours. So it is true that He does save us by grace and that He. Uh, put all these promises in place and that they are available to us. But we know that the Bible, according to the Holy Spirit and the Lord's will, has set a goal for us in place of Messiah-likeness, being conformed into His image and His likeness. And so if we just take that as a standard and a promise that is available to us in the Word, uh, we should be careful to just assume that because the promise is there, I'm just going to have it. It's just mine. I will just be conformed. Uh, When we know, for instance, just in this piece of scripture, uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, is giving this as a... um, I can't remember the word. I'll work around the word. If these things are yours. If they belong to you. They don't necessarily belong to you. They are available to you. And God has given you certain things. He's given you His entire Holy Spirit to be able to attain to. But if these things are yours. So they are there. They are available. And yet there is an action from our side to obtaining, entering into. Which is why he starts out verse 5 saying, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, you Add to your faith. Okay. I know we probably all know this already. It's just to remind ourselves that there is, from our side, not works, just entering into that which has been supplied to us, that which was won for us. Um, a, A grabbing of, if you will, making it ours. I have really dedicated as much as my ability to getting to know the Word of God and to learning how to serve Him. But I haven't come anywhere close personally to giving all diligence. So for me this remains a hope. Um, I want to call it a dream, uh, a desire. Does it sound familiar? I'm looking at this and I'm going like, one day, Lord, I'm going to be able to give all diligence. Wouldn't that be wonderful? All diligence. So that's a standard. So let's not read over the few words and just go like, it's just, it's just all diligence. It's a big exhortation from his side. Okay. okay. So we see conditional. I think that's the word. Okay, two conditions. He says, if these things are yours, but not just attaining to, entering into, obtaining these things. There's a second one. 
if these things are yours and abound. So now it's one thing to go, okay, well, I've grown a bit. I have added to my faith some virtue. To my bit of virtue, I've added some knowledge. I have a little bit of self-control when it counts. <laughs> I can persevere every now and then, etc., etc. That's one way of looking at it, but that's not where it ends. He says, if these things are yours and abound. Now first, before we look at just abounding, let's notice that in this text, he doesn't anywhere put a limiting factor, an end line, a finish line, if you will. Like you've obtained, they're yours, they've abounded, and now they've reached this level of maturity, so now you've done it. You've arrived, you've abounded, you've abounded enough. This is what it should be. Please notice that he leaves this open-ended, which means that once we think of it being ours and then abounding, the abounding has no end, which means that for the rest of our lives, we have an unlimited space for all of these things to abound in our lives. And then, once we've reached the end of our lives, there was still some space. Just because we reached a certain level doesn't mean there wasn't more potential. So what happens if this does not become yours and it doesn't abound? Okay, I'm going to that now. So just the abounding um, would be not just the multiplying, but it is also, we would like to think of it as establishing. So it is mine every now and then, but I'd like it to be mine all the time uh, in absolutes. Okay, so established. Now, okay, so if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yahushua HaMashiach. So, if these things things are not ours and and they do not abound, then we can expect barrenness and unfruitfulness. What does that mean? Let's look at barrenness, spiritual barrenness. What's barrenness? The uh, seed cannot be conceived, mm. uh, so there's no procreation or uh, multiplication. Yeah. So what is a fruit supposed to have seed inside? The seed is supposed to now lead to more of the same plant. Okay, so spiritually, this is when uh, barrenness is when we walk out our faith. We love the Lord. We have salvation and we um, try and continue in the ways of God. But our lives cannot multiply faith in others. Multiply um, uh, revelation of God in others. Multiply perseverance and diligence and dedication to God in others. That's the barrenness. So think of it as a spiritual children. So, so the person himself has salvation, but um, he's not going to be cloned. His faith will not multiply in others. And that is part of it. Isn't that what God, the great Commission. commissioning is to go out, make, make disciples. disciples. So see how the barrenness comes in. So this is a key scripture for understanding how we can uh, be the opposite of barren. Um, Obviously, barrenness and unfruitfulness seems very similar, but if you want to kind of just separate a little bit, he is trying to emphasize a point, but if you want, you can think of barrenness as being 
um, bearing fruit outside of yourself within the faith walk and fruitfulness bearing the fruit in your own life and walk. So before 11 o'clock, because today we are going to end at 11, we are going to go back. (coughs) Obviously with um, fruitfulness, we're going to go back and we're going to look at John 15 again. And we're going to just give another key to fruitfulness out of that. Because remember, it says that He will cause us to bear fruit. Yeah, it says that it's possible that we will not bear fruit if we don't put the orderly steps of discipleship in place. Okay. Okay. Now, there's another negative to this. What will happen? What else will happen? Okay. Um, okay. Do we have time? I just want to point out something. You have, we have little time. Okay, little time. I'll just point it out fast. So, it says, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be here now. I have to do it now. <laughs> you decided we have to end it. It's living. okay. It's okay. Okay. Barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord, Yahushua HaMashiach. Now, the knowledge of our Lord is not just uh, just the knowledge. The reason I'm pointing this out is because if we go back to verse 2, he starts out saying, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Yahushua our Lord. Okay, so if we are unfruitful and barren in our knowledge of him, then that means that grace and peace will be decreased. The opposite of multiplied. Okay, so I just had to point that out. Okay, verse 9. For he who lacks these things, lacks these things, is short-sighted even to blindness. And now we see how this obviously links to what we started out saying of perseverance with vision. Okay, lacks these things, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Now, old sins is not just, okay, I lived my life, then the Lord met me, saved me, I was baptized, reborn, and now obviously I'm going to make mistakes into the future, but I'm going to forget that these old sins before I was saved, that I'm going to start forgetting that. Can't just be that, because from his perspective, all the sin of all my life is going to be my old sins. So the ones that we're going to do, hopefully not, but it might happen. That's also old sins, cleansed. Because you can only come to the... How often can we go come to the cross? See, we've got we've to remain biblical. We come to the cross and there's a washing. This is where he takes your life into himself on the cross and then everybody dies when he dies. That goes into the grave. He goes with the perfect sacrifice into the presence of God the Father, his sacrifice is accepted. All sin is then forgiven. Then he goes back, comes back for his body, he is resurrected, and now we that are in him are resurrected with him. That's what it says in Ephesians. But all sins now has to be forgiven. You can't have some sin lingering, because then the whole Bible doesn't work out anymore. The equation doesn't work. So, very important to understand this. Now, what happens if we become short-sighted, blinded, and we forget that our sin has been forgiven? How do we experience it on this side? So, okay, just short-sightedness, first of all, uh, very practically, if we just think about the word, it's only, be, only able to perceive that which is close to you. So you can't see far ahead. Okay, so when we start walking, we only start seeing the here and the now, the things that are important now, the issues that I'm dealing with now, that which I have to overcome now, then 
automatically, if we don't know what we're working towards, what's far ahead, then a lot of things decrease. We, we lose motivation. We lose understanding about why we should be doing what we're doing. Um, perseverance is going to be difficult. Um, patience. Patience is going to decrease. And as this happens and as this increases, the more vision I lose, the more vision I lose. Everything just becomes closer until eventually all I can see is me and my life and my walk. And because I can't see into the future, because I can't see far ahead, I'm going to start losing my vision of what is good because I'm going to start losing, losing faith, vision. Which means that pretty soon I'm just going to see everything that's negative everything that's wrong, everything that's not as it should be. And I'm not going to be able to see the promises of what it could be or the potential in the future. I'm just going to see everything the way it is right now. And then that would lead to a sin consciousness. So not only am I going to start judging myself, I'll probably start judging those around me. And not just judgment, but just a condemnation attitude in general. Makes sense. Okay. So, but... Does it sound familiar? You, you, you become short-sighted, so you start looking at the now challenges and the now people and how they're acting right now. And before you know it, it's gone so far that you're just seeing yourself. And we know the battle on the inside, always trying to figure out, am I right, am I not right, I'm pretty sure I'm right. And then knowing on the inside I'm also wrong. And you get stuck in there very quickly and it's blindness okay. also what tends to happen is because you're so far in yourself you see other people via yourself sure. don't know if anyone's noticed that part. Okay. the problem is where's God where's the glory and the wonder of him okay Okay. now he didn't it's not a negative he's just saying if these things are yours and abound none of this is going to happen to you Okay, so we don't motivate ourselves because we don't want the negatives. That's why it ends with the positive. So what are we attaining to? What are we believing for? So he says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. So he started out saying, giving all diligence, and now he's saying, be even more diligent than all diligence. <laughs> That's him trying to say, it's worth it, people. Like, do worth it. it. Just do it. Yeah. Okay. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Now, if you make a call and election sure, obviously you have to set your sights on the end, on what's true over there in finality, because that's where the call came from. That's where you came from. Okay, make your call and election sure, which means also now you have to be able, if you're going to perceive the end, you have to perceive the entire road from here to there. So immediately vision is forced upon you. Because he's saying... Be diligent to make your call and your election sure. We now wonderfully can connect this scripture with all the keys that he's giving us with Romans chapter 8. Read for us the call and election scripture so that we can put it in context to this. So what are we to make sure? Our call and election. What is it? It has a wonderful ending to it that remains important for every mindset, every moment of our days and the entire substance of our lives. Okay, I'll just read Romans 8, verse 29 and 30. Mm. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. 
whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So our call in election is that whom he foreknew, he called, he elected. That's our election. We make that election sure. We make sure we enter into the truth and the fullness of that. And our calling is that he's calling us so that he can justify us. Remember now, no, we, we, we don't forget that our sins have been forgive, forgiven. The justification becomes our reality out of which we live. And to glorify us in the process conforming us to the image of his son. See how this fits together mm. and it becomes a very substance from which we can live. So I'm diligent to make our call and election sure. Okay. And now he says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Because obviously, like we said, now you're able to perceive the entire road in technicolor clarity. Okay, so no need for stumbling, no cause for stumbling. You see when you need to walk. Okay. Then he says, now we get back to where we started. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua Amashiach. Now, each of you can go home and carefully read through the keys or the steps again. Now, add to your faith, virtue. Okay, read those. But now, the question is, if we're saying that perseverance is connected to vision. And what Peter has been saying here is all connected to vision. Then what is it that we're supposed to be seeing? What is the vision, the ultimate vision? So there's vision for our lives. There's vision short term for our month, our year. There's, but the ultimate vision that will keep us steadfast, that will be the antidote to becoming short-sighted or blinded, that will also make sure if we have developed that vision according to these uh, steps, that will cause us to be fruitful, uh, to bear fruit, spiritual fruit. He's giving us the answer just here. We're going to look at it. What is it that we're supposed to be seeing? Show us. Okay, so we could, be, we could just go in our minds, oh, it's the glory. Or, oh, it's New Jerusalem. Oh, it's one man. Okay, but practically, what, what does that mean? What are we looking at? What are we beholding when we say that? So now Peter, as great as he is, is giving us the answer right here. So, uh, let's read from verse 16. You can go read the whole chapter. You can go read the whole letter. It's just three chapters at home. Okay. From verse 16. <clears throat> For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Yahushua HaMashiach, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Okay, what event is he referring to? Everybody know? Transfiguration on the mount, Matthew chapter 17. Okay, with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Okay, so what is Peter saying here? So he's saying there was an event. He's referring to a very specific event, which is interesting because before that specific event, Peter was walking with the Lord for, what, two and a half, almost three years? Three quarter years, yeah. Right? Walking with the Lord, learning from the Lord, knowing the Lord, knowing that it is the Lord, 
He walked on water. Well, like, a little bit. So he's got no doubt about who Yahushua is. And yet, when he's referring to the prophecy that's fulfilled and the light that shines in a dark place, that is our hope, our beacon, that we keep our eyes on until all things are fulfilled, is this one specific event that he says he was an eyewitness to. He's basing his right to come and minister to them. He says, we didn't devise all kinds of stories. We didn't come up with all kinds of strategies to convince you to believe in God. He's basing his right to be a witness by which he's coming. He's basing it on this one event. He says, we were eyewitnesses in this specific event. And so now this is what we're bringing to you to make known to you something. Okay, so what is that something? Because this that he's going to make known is going to be the light that shines in the dark place. The thing that he witnessed that has given him the right to uh, witness to others, but also would have given him the ability to persevere, to continue the road, to keep the faith. Something that he's going to refer back to. And it's not just that, oh, the Lord was transfigured on the mount. Look what he says. He says... Verse 16, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord, Yahushua HaMashiach, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Okay, why His power and His coming? Because when He comes back, He comes back in glory. When He comes back, it is the righteousness of the saints. When He comes back, it is the glorification of the body. Because when He comes back, He comes back for His body. To glorify His body. To resurrect His body. To unify His body. To reconcile everything together into Himself. And so, what Peter is referring to, the transfiguration on the mount, is not just that suddenly He was shining with a light in white robes. It, is, it was the prophetic word confirmed that now... He knows that the Lord will glorify His body. It is sure, it is certain, it is steadfast. His body will be glorified. His body will be resurrected. He will return in power and in glory and in majesty. And because of that event, because He can recall that, because it takes Him only a moment to refer back to that, to behold it, to see it, to have the vision of it again, by supernatural revelation, He can persevere and He can make known to others the light that shines in the dark place. But this is that a, it's the same sentence when he was, Jesus was baptized. That came from even the exact same sentence. That transfiguration on the mountain. Exactly. And after that he said, the old day goes Exactly. Exactly. The, the reason why this has to tie it together is, is the same reason why he's saying this prophetic word was confirmed. Because it's confirming all the promises of Messiah. So remember, all the prophetic books are about Messiah. And we know that it's not just about, they misinterpreted it as just the Messiah coming to earth. Just the Messiah the prophecy Messiah was always about, remember in Psalm 16, how King David goes from talking about himself then all of a sudden talking about himself as if he's Messiah. Mm-hmm. So the Messiah prophecy is always about us all being brought into Messiah, made one with God, not just brought to faith in God, made one with God, and then he comes back in glory with his saints, but then we are one with him and conformed to him. That's why the being conformed to him and him being formed in us 
be actually becomes the fulfilling of the, the scriptures and the prophecies that he's talking about here. And that is why it's the same thing. When he's saying, this is my beloved son, he's not talking just about Yahushua the, becoming the man. He's talking about the one body that we will be. Because remember, he had to make that, and, and it has to be at the baptism. Because he's baptized from out of his flesh into the spirit, into the oneness, same as us. That's why it's the same. And that's why it all now links the scriptures together. And that's what he's doing here. He's linking uh, the, the, the Old Testament together with this. He says it's been confirmed. Why confirmed? Because he's transfigured into his resurrected form while he hasn't died yet. Which confirms that all that God is saying he's going to do has been done. It's, it's, it's an absolute pivot around which all scripture will fit together and hold together. Um, unless we understand that that has to be true. Is it making sense what I'm saying? It sounds complicated, but everything fits together in that. If we have a loose standing Old Testament with Him coming, becoming man, things, certain things are only applicable to Him as man, then certain things are only applicable to Him as God, the entire Bible falls to pieces. And that's why it does it in this way. So what is it that we need to see? What is the vision that would cause us to persevere? The vision cannot be me as a believer, me as trying my best. It cannot even be me trying to serve the church. Or serve God in any other way. Cannot even Many, be my life bringing Him glory. That's right. We see the, the, the fallibility in the efforts of uh, believers everywhere because they want to develop vision according to the good works of faith. And those are important. The vision we're talking about is Peter is connecting this. You will not stumble. You will have sight. You will be able to persevere. He's connecting this with something he himself experienced. By revelation, by vision, by supernatural action and revelation from God's side, he has something inside of himself that he can see all the time. In moments where he could have doubted, all he has to do is look at that one picture again. The Lord Yahushua in his glory eternally. Yes, Moses and Elijah was there, but that was only to confirm the entire Old, uh, Old Testament Scriptures as part of the covenant. Now, as complicated as it sounds, he's saying to us, this is the vision. Each and every true believer will be granted supernatural revelation of who God is. It's something that the light shines through the darkness from that which is true in the kingdom. He takes the barriers away and your spirit perceives. This is why we believe. Nobody can just believe because they were convinced by some scripture. That's the beginning of faith. But there always will be God revealing Himself. No person can come to faith unless God reveals Himself to that person. Not true faith. Not, not saving faith. For us that would like more revelation... Uh, as far as spiritual sight and vision is concerned, we continuously seek after it. I remind myself, I, I, in prayer, I go back to what He has shown me, what I have experienced with Him. I look at it again and again and again, and then I go, Lord, um, you've, shown me, you've shown me a lot, but Peter had more than me. 
you love Peter more than you love me? <laughs> and he made it. So I, you know... And like just. I've got a long so way to go. So <laughs> if you show me more, then my chances are just better. So what I'm saying is always, always seeking for more revelation of Him. So we do study the Word of God. We do add to our faith virtue and then knowledge. We do. We do seek understanding. We seek the Holy Spirit to understand what we read in the Bible. We want to be grounded in the Word of God. We build that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. But there's a, an aspect. that This is what we actually, a simple message. But we want to encourage everybody to again. That which has been revealed to you in the past. Refresh it, renew it, hold on to it. Um, it doesn't become vague. If it was from God, it was always fresh. You can always go back to it and you know. You know. Then, and, and it's got nothing to do with you. Those, that kind of vision, you're not featuring in that picture. It's about Him, right? Okay. Sorry. If you, if you have vision and it's about you getting saved, it's the wrong picture. Okay? It's revelation of Him. But we never stop. We seek deeper revelation of Him, deeper revelation of His glory, deeper, a glimpse of His eyes, the way He looks at you. It gives you identity. A glimpse of Him looking at you, the way that He looks at you, will tell you who you are. And we're seeking after that. This is, after all this, yes, there's steps, orderly steps of discipleship. But the vision that's going to keep us, uh, cause us to persevere, if the entire world around you, every person, comes with stones in their hands and tell you, you are too radical in following Messiah, you are too contrary to society, and you're overdoing this Christianity thing, you know why you'll persevere? You know why you won't doubt or back off? Because I've seen, and He has spoken to me. His voice spoke right deep into the deepest parts of my heart, and I can never not hear it. And this is what the vision is that we're talking about, that is connected to perseverance. You've seen His glory, you've seen what His will is, nothing can persuade you. Okay, they can cut off my head, I'll still remember. And they can cut my heart out, I will still fully feel His love flowing through my body. It can never be different. And that's what will cause us to persevere. So there's an orderly process that we embrace with discipline, step by step, so it can abound to us. He will give us entrance into the kingdom of heaven while we're still on earth. But in the end of the day, the thing that makes the difference is that moment with Him, when you perceive Him. When you perceive Him. That's why we live. That's why we continue. That's why we don't grow tired. We don't grow doubtful. That's why we can overcome fear, doubt and unbelief. And worry. And life can get tough. Okay? It does. It does get tough. At times. Okay? It can get tough just being inside of yourself. I mean, half the toughness is just dealing with me. Okay? And then there's other people. So it gets, it gets difficult. But the reason why we can love and why we can forgive and why we can be patient and why we can persevere is that. So, none of us has had enough revelation of Him. 
So now we want to, in the beginning of the year, so this might be the year of perseverance. But we're going to combine the year of perseverance with the year of seeking more revelation of Him supernaturally. So that we can always refer back to that when we have to persevere. Let's be blinded by Him. Let's have our eyes filled with Him. There's practicalities. The world needs the gospel. The world needs the, the word. Someone needs to go out and help a lot of people understand the word because there's a misunderstanding. But that's, that's a secondary thing. Revealing Him to them is what fruitfulness is. We've got two minutes. If you can listen some more, we want to give you a gift out of John chapter 15. Quick one. Little gift. John chapter 15. So remember it's about fruitfulness. So if we look at fruitfulness, he's the one that causes us to be fruitful, right? Okay. Read for us. From From this one. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Firstly, motivation, defined our motivation for bearing fruit. By this the Father will be glorified. We're not seeking to bear fruit for us to look good, even to feel better. By this the Father will be glorified. So, high core in our lives, high goal, High desire, uh, from which dedication will flow. Lord, you said you will cause me to bear fruit. Your desire is for me to bear fruit. Uh, teach me to bear fruit. Show me, change me, lead me, impact me, influence me, inspire me. Um, help me to surrender to all your ways so that I may bear fruit, so that the Father may be glorified. But now we see there's a direct interaction from the Father's side when it comes to bearing fruit. And this is good news. Okay? It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. The Father is the vine dresser. Go to the footnote. Taking away here can also be translated as lifting up. He lifts up. So a branch in him that does not bear fruit, the father who is the vine dresser, will directly come to you personally. Now this, this is great news. Okay? Great news. And the part of your life, or even the person that's not bearing fruit, he will take away. Take away from what? Lift up. 
Normally the branches of a vine that's not bearing fruit is the one that's hanging close to the ground or in the mud. So he will lift it up. From lift it up where? Lift it up towards what? Himself. So he bends down and he will lift that branch. And in lifting up, inevitably he's bringing you closer to him. Okay. Now, don't think clever strategy to get close to the Father is stop bearing fruit so that he can... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. The good news is that he's personally hands-on in, uh, involved here. So the parts of your life, the aspects of your character or your life that's not bearing fruit, he will come and he'll take it away from the things of the earth, the things of the world, those things that it, it used to be close. There's something causing it not to bear fruit. And this is the point at which, imagine taking a three-year-old and taking him into, uh, what's Toys the toy? Toys R Us. And you go like, I'm going to leave you here for 20 minutes. You just run amok. <laughs> right? Then you go back and you say, it's time to go. <laughs> and he goes, yes, mommy. And there we go. Let's go. Okay. I'm ready. Is that how it works? Okay, now, this is where, doesn't matter how good a kid you have, you tell them we're going to leave, what's the outcome? Uh, yeah. Tantrum, right? Crying, screaming. Okay, so now this is our response when the father comes and he says, I'm going to take you away and lift you up. He's taking us away from the things we like. No, it's you. not good for bearing <laughs> spiritual fruit, but it's the things that we were close to. It's the things where our focus were, and it's the things of the world. Everybody is enjoying the same. It doesn't even have to be evil or sinful. Mm. But when he starts lifting us up, it hurts. And we start screaming and shouting. It's like, it's, we, might even, we might even start praying, Lord, come and save me from the, the <laughs> devil that's attacking me. <laughs> Everything's like, going wrong, like I'm hurting, insult, and I'm not you know? happy. <laughs> and we start, we pray those. Meanwhile, it's the Father taking you away from the things that's not going to cause you to be afraid. The things that is not an entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so He can come into our careers, into our workplace, into our family relationships, into our friendships. He can come into all kinds of areas of our lives where we were happy. Not even sinful, just happy, just content, just resting there, lying there, but <laughs> not the bearing mark. fruit. And then he comes and he goes like, I'm going to mess a little bit with your family relations. And we're going like, no Lord, but you're all about relationships. So I'm, just gonna, so I'm just going to keep praying for these relationships. And he's going like, I'm taking you closer to me so you can bear fruit. Terrible when he starts doing that with our careers or with our jobs or with our finances or with those things. Okay, so, so, and then he says, and the branches that are bearing fruit is going to prune. Another area, just, just for us to start understanding some of the dynamics that we are going to go through in persevering. <laughs> okay. positive. It's positive. Edifying, encouraging message today. So what's going to happen is, the area, so we, 
start reaching out to God, reading our Bible a bit more, we kind of paying more attention to the things of the Lord, and here pops out one fruit, our first little fruit. <laughs> Wonderful. The fruit, the fruit on the tree is a little bit of faith and faithfulness. We just, all we did was kind of look into this thing with God, you know. We don't, we want to believe in God, but we haven't kind of decided to devote our lives completely to Him. Pops out the fruit and we go like, this is wonderful, I feel so great. And then He comes with these big scissors. Voila. And it's like beautiful fruit. I want you to bear more fruit. That twig that was growing, where the fruit was growing on, that is you. Flesh. And we've got to get rid of the flesh so the fruit can grow f- closer to the other fruit. And if I keep c- cutting it back, the fruit will be closer to the vine, which is him. Otherwise, you're going to start bearing good fruit on the very tip of a very, very long U uh, branch. <laughs> and so the, the, the goal of the vine, the purpose of the vine is to bear fruit, not for the vine to become infinitely long. So it's going to cut you back. So you can keep bearing fruit because it's the fruit that he wants, not, not an infinitely long vine. So my experience as a branch that wanted to abide in the vine is that growth comes. So we all know about spiritual growth and you grow as a person, right? Because more and more you can grow in confidence, uh, you can grow in boldness, you can grow in knowledge, you can grow in wisdom. Um, the problem is with the spiritual growth, there seems to be a growth of self as well. Horrible. So the plant that bears the fruit, the whole plant wants to grow. I yes. want to grow. I want to get bigger. And uh, let's face it, early days of ministry, I wanted to get more famous and more known and more respected. And I was convinced, that, you know, the better I do, people will start to treat me better. So all of that growth was great for me. But then he comes with these big scissors. And he, what does he cut away? The me in the equation. Okay? So that I can have spiritual growth, but we keep in check the self-growth. Remember, anyone, and most of us by now have plants, uh, if you... <laughs> the more plant you have, the, the more widespread the plant has to exert its energy to keep everything healthy. Which is why after winter, every now and then, you cut back some of the leaves that aren't looking so nice. So the reason the vine needs to be pruned is that it can bear more fruit so that the energy that the vine is exerting is into the fruit, not into the stick. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to close with this. Have you noticed how we try and overcome? We identify an area in our lives where we want to repent and we overcome. And it's a struggle and it's we're on our knees and we fail and we struggle and we keep doing the thing we don't want to do. And then one day we realize we're overcoming. Things are getting better. I'm not falling into that thought pattern again. I'm not saying things when I'm not supposed to be saying them anymore. More self-control. And it's great. I've overcome. And then you just, for some reason, don't pay attention for a few days because the fight is over, right? And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, why is this thing growing again? It was gone. After years of struggling and praying and repenting, I had such relief. It was better. And now all of a sudden, use this thing again. It's that little twig. So the overcoming that you experienced and the repentance that you experienced was him and he was kind enough to come and prune you back. Prune that thing back for you 
so that you could bear fruit. fruit instead of the nasty things you were doing. But now, that fleshly thing, prachtig, it starts growing again. <laughs> and without realizing, it's like it's just a little innocent little green tip that starts sticking out its head and before you know it, it's a gnarly old thorn bush. <laughs> That's just going. Okay. And I mean, have you seen how quickly a vine, new vine twig grows when it goes? It like, it springs out a coil. It's like, there I go. If ever planted the Grenadella bush, you'll know. Okay. okay. Now, so, this is why we wanted to bring this in. In persevering with the vision, he's the vine dresser. It says that he comes and he prunes. So, if there was fruit in an area where you, there was overcoming, there was repentance, and now you see something nasty growing again. This is what uh, we realized. If he's the one that prunes, just come near to him and say, like, will you prune this, cut this again? Instead of also, us always trying to overcome and repent, he's we are repenting. Person. Bring it to him and myself. go, like, Lord, this thing, you cut it once, cut it again, prune it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing very well that the pruning has to now, nobody just prunes one twig when they prune a bush. So we embrace the pruning for the sake of bearing more fruit because it's going to bring him glory. Mm. And can everybody, everybody is clever enough to now start to connect everything we've said today. It's the year of perseverance. We're going to do it by vision. So we're going to seek more vision. What is that going to cause us to do? Draw near to him. And we're going to draw near to him with all the little sticks and uh, twigs twigs that have been growing that shouldn't be there. And we'll allow him to prune. And this process should get us through the perseverance. So... Yeah, nicely to bear fruit. So rather than thinking of the perseverance as fussbite, just have to head down, move forward. Rather see it as the continual seeking him for pruning back bearing fruit, growing again, but then knowing that he's going to prune you. So there's a continual seeking of him, but it has to come from him because he is the vine dresser. So perseverance is going to be, comes down to return, repeat, redo, just do it again and again. But he is a faithful vine dresser and he knows what's going on. So he will prune you back. You will bear fruit. You will grow again and then he will prune you back. And you will bear fruit. You will smell the flowers in your life when it buds. And you will get to partake of the good fruit of your life, although the fruit is to his glory. It's all worth it. So perseverance is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Amen and Amen. goodbye. <laughs>